Very good. Well, let's have a word of prayer, everyone. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for another opportunity for us to study your word and to understand what implications uh, the word of God can have for us during the times that we're living in. And Lord, we pray that you'll please guide us. We need the Holy Spirit to be with us and to um, give us wisdom to understand these things, but also more importantly, to put them into practice. And so, Lord, we pray for your guidance and we pray for your instruction. Speak through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let me go ahead and share my screen. And the title for my message today is entitled The Cleansing of Two Temples. And so we'll get that up momentarily. Let me just get this going. Here we go. So the cleansing of two temples. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and start with a prophecy that's well known in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. We all know this as a 2300-day time prophecy. And in Daniel 8.14, it says, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And so this is, we know, to be speaking of the cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary, as mentioned in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. And the heavenly sanctuary involves the blotting out of the sins of God's children from the books of record above at the close of the investigative judgment. But while God has a sanctuary in heaven, God also has a sanctuary on earth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, you know that text very well, which says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And 1 Corinthians 6.20 also says, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? So we see that God calls his people his temple, his sanctuary. And the blotting uh, out of the sins in the sanctuary in heaven is the bookkeeping record of the actual blotting out of the sins of God's people from their hearts and lives down here below. Now, when the sanctuary is cleansed up there, you can be sure that it is because the sanctuary is being cleansed down here. And Jesus is going to purify his church today just as he purified the temple of Jerusalem at the beginning and the end of his ministry. And that brings us to the first angel's message, Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, which says, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. We see that this message is the present truth in the judgment hour. And at the time that Jesus was about to enter the most holy place in heaven to cleanse the sanctuary and enter into the work of investigative judgment preparatory to the blotting out of those sins, this message must go out to all the world. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. This message can only be given to this last generation. It's very relevant for us. 
And Dan, uh, Revelation 14 is the counterpart of Daniel 8.14. We see in Daniel 8.14, it gives us the time. In Revelation 14, 6 through 7, it gives us the message for that time. And the time is none other than 1844, the time for the cleansing of the sanctuary in heaven and on earth. So as a result of this message, what kind of people will it produce? We see Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. It tells us, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. These people are ready for Jesus to come. And how do we know? Revelation 14, 14 tells us that Jesus comes on the clouds with a sharp sickle in his hand. And in verse 15, he reaps at the time of harvest. And we know that the harvest represents none other than his coming, his second coming. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 38 we see that the good seed represents the children of the kingdom. And verse 39 of that same chapter says that the harvest is the end of the world. So then at the harvest time, with the crop fully ripe and mature, with God's children like him in every way, Jesus comes. And you probably know that well-known quote, from Spirit of Prophecy that says, when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. So this message will draw people out from every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So that includes Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and other world religions that are out there in the world. They will be drawn out by this message. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. They will be drawn, this message will draw people out from every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And also, secondly, it develops them and presents them at the coming of Jesus without fault before the throne of God. Jesus is doing a twofold work. Jesus is finishing his work in heaven, and he is finishing it here on this earth at the same time. And knowing that the time is high time to wake out of sleep and share in these closing movements. And we see the first angel's message primarily focuses upon the true worship, uh, refocusing upon where the worship should be to God and God alone because of his creative power and because we're living the judgment hour. And he's the one that's going to judge all those on earth. In the second and third angel's message, the emphasis is on false worship, exposing the false worship and the work, false systems of religion that are here on this earth that many people are bowing down to and following according to what they say. And so we see that the second angel's message in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8, is speaking of Babylon. Babylon represents today the great world combination of error and falsehood, false religion, claiming to speak for God, but really speaking for Satan. A false system of worship that eclipses Jesus and everything he is to the sinner. Against that, we are warned by this message. We also see the third angel's message tells us that these judgments are going to come upon those who worship the beast and his image and on all those who receive his mark. Here indeed is a crisis at the close. 
The beast and his image seek to enforce their mark upon the minds and the consciences of men, and God warns us against that. We see that this crisis is fully pictured in Revelation chapter 13. We see Revelation 13 speaks of a sea beast, which is the symbol of the papacy. And we see that the great power that rules from the Vatican. And the image of the beast represents the the union of apostate Protestantism in league with papal Rome, both uniting, resulting in persecution against God's people. Both unite in persecution against the people of God. And how do they accomplish that? We see in Revelation chapter 13, verse 17, it says that they will allow no man to buy or sell, save he to have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Given the times that we're living in, does that seem far-fetched? Does that seem that that is far from ever possibly happening? I don't think so. I think that times that we're living in shows us with the economic crisis and all the things that are taking place, coin shortages and things like that, it tells us that this can be very real. This can come to pass. We also see furthermore that Revelation 13 verse 15 says that there will be a death decree ultimately. And all hell is moved against the the development of the people who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This indeed is a crisis both in the government of God and in the government of hell. This is a crisis at the close. Just before Jesus comes, every soul in this world will either be in the little company who keeps the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, or they will be numbered among those who worship the beast and his image and receive his mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. We also learned about, on our first night, about two sieges. We learned about the first siege that took place in 66 AD, which is led when the Roman armies were led by Cestus. They came and encamped around the city to besiege it, but then for some, some apparent reason, they retreated and abandoned the siege. Perhaps they were given new orders or they were called to help reinforce troops in another battle, but whatever the case may be, they left. And that provided the window of opportunity for the Christians to flee to the land of Perea. But we see it wasn't long before the Roman army under Titus came back. And this time the siege was carried out and over one million Jews perished by crucifixion, starvation, inner conflicts within the city, and many other ways. The fate of that city illustrates a microcosm of what will take place in the world. The doom of the world is foretold in a microcosm illustration of that account. However, not one Christian perished in the siege of that city. And not one of God's children upon whom the seal of God is placed is going to perish in the doom of this world. Why? Because they watched for the prophetic signs. They watched for the prophetic signs and they moved according, accordingly under the leadership of Jesus. And we need to know what is soon coming to pass and we need to know the signs and the signals. We see that the last prophetic date is 1844, that end of the 2300-day time prophecy. In Revelation chapter 10, it speaks of an angel who 
took his place with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and with his right hand to heaven. And he swore that there should be time no longer, no more prophetic time. Why? Because, listen carefully, because God's prophetic clock has struck the hour of the final movements. And from 1844 and on, it's not a matter of days or weeks or months or years, but rather it's dependent on a development of a people. And when those people are developed, when their characters are perfected, then the crisis at the close breaks with all the force of a great hurricane or tornado. And there's something which is about to take place, which inspiration has said is to be a sign just as definite and clear and plain as the sign when the Roman armies were around Jerusalem. And there are some things that we need to know when we see what is happening. And this is what we need to be studying. People today try to spend time with current events. And it's important for us to be mindful of what's going on. But, you know, people will have uh, the internet, the radio, television, newspaper. I don't know if people read newspapers anymore. But every one of these things can tell you something only after it's happened. Those things just report after the fact that these things occurred. But how much better is it that we have the Bible and the spirit of prophecy and the events that are revealed before they come to pass, all is there. And so why is it that multitudes are paying no attention to these prophecies, which are the unveiling of the schedule of future events with which you and I want to be familiar with? Let us fill our minds with Daniel and Revelation. Let us know that the events are soon coming to pass. Question. How many messages are there in Revelation chapter 14? We see that there are three messages. The work of those messages are what? What is the purpose of the three angels' messages? These messages are to get people ready. Brothers and sisters, are you ready? In the spirit of prophecy, these three messages are presented as three steps. In the first vision that was given to the servant of the Lord, she saw a narrow path cast high above the world. And in early writings, page 14, she writes that the three steps are at the beginning of that path. They are the first, second, and third angel's messages. We need to know exactly what those messages are. And when they rose, what they did for the people in the 1800s, and also what they are designed to do for us today. If we allow these messages to do their work, to speak to our hearts, and we listen and do something about them, we shall be among those who are pictured in the latter part of Revelation 14, the golden grain, those that will be reaped at the harvest, those who will be ready to be gathered into the kingdom of God, a people who are without fault, a people who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters, I want that. How about you? We see the reason why these people who are developed by this threefold message are ready to meet the Savior is because they have yielded their hearts and lives fully to the cleansing power of that blood. They have allowed it to do a complete work. Therefore, a great proclamation of these messages are needed as well 
as these messages point out sin and exalts the law of God, and we may know what is wrong and put it away, but never think that by our human effort alone that we shall arrive at an understanding of his will completely or a complete cleansing from the sins that light brings to view. We see the angel who flies in the heavens has the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell upon the earth. The gospel that in Adam and Enoch and Noah's day brought comfort to those hearts that were bowed down under the weight of sin. The gospel that the Holy Spirit preached before Abraham and to Moses and the everlasting gospel that Jesus himself preached is being heralded today. Pointing men and women to the cross of Christ as a place where sin can be repented of and cleansed. A very important message indeed. Knowing the time, knowing the time that we're living in, we must wake out of sleep and hasten to get that work done. Knowing the time that we realize that we have very little time left to prepare. Knowing the time we shall be quick to, in our, in our movements and decisive. So let the Spirit of God speak to our hearts right now. If sin is discovered by the searchlight of the Spirit in the heart, let us put it away and claim the covering blood of Jesus so that we may be under the shadow of the Almighty, protected by the covering righteousness of Christ. Desire of Ages, page 161, says, Only Christ can cleanse the soul temple, but he will not force an entrance. This is how purification works in the individual life. Perhaps you, like many others, who are waiting for God to cleanse them, wait for victory over sin, and it could be something like an evil temper now and then. Perhaps you harbor a critical spirit. Whatever it is, you may say, I wish Jesus would come into my heart as he entered the temple at Jerusalem and drive that sin out of my soul. You can pray about it. You can wish for it. You can hope about it from now until probation closes. But you know what, friends? If that's all you do, you'll be lost. With faith in your heart, courage in your soul, and determination in your mind, you must push the devil out. Now, how is that possible, you may say? The devil is far more cunning and the devil is far more powerful than me. You see, Desire of Ages, page 466 says, the expulsion of sin is the act of the soul itself. Did you catch that? In order for us to expel the, expel the sin in our hearts and in our souls is the act of the soul itself that makes it possible. And maybe many people are probably wondering right now, they say, I thought Jesus did that. I'll just turn it over to him. Can, can you do that without Jesus? No, of course not. No man can himself cast out the evil throng that has taken possession of the heart. Only Christ can cleanse the soul temple. And you indeed cannot do it without him. That is so true. But listen, but he won't do it without you. He won't do it without you. 
Yes, you can't do it without him, but he won't do it without you. He does it through you. And whenever you're ready for the devil to leave, God is with you, infusing his strength into your poor, weak will. And if you believe his promise, just give the order to the devil to leave. Push him out, and he has to go. You may say, oh, I'm so afraid, I'm so weak, and the devil has resisted me again and again. He hasn't paid attention before when I told him to go. Perhaps, friends, you are trying to do it without God. And what you need is that you must have such a love for Jesus and such a hatred for sin that you will tell the devil to leave and mean what you say. The reason why we're so hesitant to do that, the reason why we're so reluctant to do that, the reason why we find it so difficult is because deep down in our hearts, we cherish and still hold on to things that give the devil a foothold in our lives that give the devil permission to stay and and torment and harass us. In that sense, we allow the devil access into our lives. And reading on in Desire of Ages, it's true that we have no power to free ourselves from the devil's control, from Satan's control. But when we desire to be set free from sin and in our great cry out for a power out of and from above ourselves, The powers of the soul are imbued with the divine energy of the Holy Spirit. And they obey the dictates of the will in fulfilling the will of God. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Who's to tell the devil to get out of your life? Who's to tell the devil to get out of your life? You are. If you do it without God, the devil will laugh at you and mock at you. But if you wait for God to do it without you, you'll wait in vain. Cry to God. Plead for God. For whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and ye shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four 24 said. You could claim that promise. You could claim that promise and make it so. That's faith. It takes faith to deal with the devil. And when you have prayed to God for victory, then arise in the strength of God and be free. Say to the devil, get out in the name of Jesus and mean it. And the enemy has to go. James 4, 7 through 8 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Of course, before that says, submit to God and then resist the devil. And it's, it's much better to do in that order. Submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That's a glorious promise. A glorious promise from God. And we can claim that promise each and every moment. So I want to say, may your faith in the promises of God give you victory after victory in Christ Jesus as you cooperate with him in the cleansing of the soul temple. And when we learn to gain victory after victory, co-laboring and cooperating with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we will be like him. 
and our character by God's grace will be perfectly reproduced. And when Jesus sees that, he will come to take us home. Brothers and sisters, let's all claim the promises of God. Let's all exercise our faith like we've never had before. Let us experience the the power of God in our lives, the grace of God working in our lives. And let's go home. I'm sick of this world. Let's go home. If God is for us, who could be against us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So may God bless you. And may the grace of God be upon you to give you power and peace and comfort in your time of need. Let's pray as we close. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the precious blood of Jesus, for his sacrifice for us has opened the doors of heaven to pour out every spiritual blessing that we do not deserve. Lord, it is because of his merits and his righteousness that we are able to claim those things. And by faith, Lord, we claim them now. I pray that you please be with those who are going to be listening to this message or those who have tuned in. I pray that you please work in their lives in a special way. Lord, we desperately need you more than ever, especially during these times, knowing that your coming is all the more closer. So, Lord, we invite you into our hearts and lives. Help us to exercise that faith to also, with confidence, do the spiritual battle. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but but against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age. But Lord, we know that with you by our side and with Christ in us, the hope of glory, all these things, victory, overcoming, can be possible. So make it so, O Lord, in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.